space, the final frontier. These are the voyages of the Starship Enterprise. Its continuing mission to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new life and new civilizations, to boldly go where no one has gone before. This is 30 Day Trek. I'm your host, Lucanon, and in this episode, we are covering from The Next Generation, Half a Life. This is the one where, as Wuxana Troy, Deanna's mother, as well as the daughter of the fifth house of Beta Zed, holder of the sacred chalice of Rix, and heir to the holy rings of Beta Zed, is on board the Enterprise, her visit coincides with the arrival of Timison, the lead scientist of the Kalons, a reclusive, isolationist alien race who have reluctantly accepted the Federation's assistance in an experiment to revitalize their dying son. Wuxana throws herself at the emotionally reserved man, and for once, the object of her affection, actually likes the flamboyant older woman. But after the experiment on a star with the exact conditions of the dying sun fails, Waxana finds out that Timison is days away from the resolution, in which a person commits ritualistic suicide on their 60th birthday. Aghast at this custom, Waxana tries to get Picard to interfere and convince this new love of hers to not go ahead with it, which leads to Timison requesting asylum aboard the ship and potential blows between the Enterprise and the Kalons. Coming off of another classic episode, The Drumhead, Half-A-Life is another character-centered episode, but this time around a character that, for the first three seasons, was second to Wesley as the most hated character on the show from fans. Played by Majel Barrett, who was often referred to as the First Lady of Star Trek, although I personally think she should have shared this title with DC Fontana, Waxana Troy was often described as anti-mame in space. She was a loud, overbearing woman who inserted herself into other people's affairs and who was constantly telling her daughter to settle down and get married, which annoyed Deanna to no end. And the previous episodes that centered around her, like Haven, Manhunt, and Menage Troy, were pretty weak episodes that did not do her character or Majel any favors. But when Peter Allen Fields, the writer of the episode, was tasked to write an episode around her, he took the opportunity to develop the character further and to show a more vulnerable and caring side to her. This episode, along with DS9's The Forsaken, did that and in the process elevated Waxana into a beloved character. And I love it when TV shows do this. I love when a show takes a one-note side character, usually a comic relief one, and in a single episode or even scene, gives that character dimension, weight, and pathos. And the scene in the transporter room between Waxana and Diana accomplishes this so incredibly well. What do you mean I can't go down there? Are you telling me that I'm a prisoner on this ship? Mother, what's going on? What are you doing? 
I'm sorry, Counselor. I'm not sure what to do here. Well, I am sure. I am a Betazoid ambassador. I'm a daughter of the Fifth House, and those people are going to answer to me. So you, you just energize this damn thing and get me down there. He can't, Mother. He has his orders. His orders don't apply to me. No, they apply to him. And don't you try your professional patronizing on me, young lady. They expect Timison to die, don't you realize that? Just because he's 60. What's 60? It's nothing. <laughs> I'll go check the pattern buffers. Come on, Mother. Let's sit down. I'm, I'm sorry, little one. I, I don't know what's wrong with me. I'm, I'm sorry. There's no need to be. But I'm crying. I don't cry. You cried when Father died. You remember that? Of course I remember. We both cried. But, but this isn't the same. Is it? What do you think? I, I don't know. I, I, I just can't accept that, that fate would allow me to meet him like this and, and then take him away. I mean, he's not ill. He hasn't had a tragic accident. He's just going to die. <laughs> and for no good reason. <laughs> Because his society has decided that he's too old. So they just dispose of him. <laughs> as, as though his life no longer had any value or meaning. <laughs> You can't possibly understand at your age, but mine, well, sometimes you feel tired and, and afraid. You're feeling very vulnerable, very mortal, if I may say so. But I know you, Mother, and believe me, You will never be one of those who dies before they die. <laughs> the scene does the classic character bit where the character is talking about someone else when who they're really talking about are themselves. And here, you finally see the flamboyant, larger-than-life persona of Wixana fall away as we see an older woman show her daughter the vulnerability and fear of irrelevance that she's trying so hard to hide. Which also ties into the theme of the episode of how society sees and treats the elderly, which is reflected in a fairly lengthy scene between her and Timison as he explains how the resolution came to be out of a desire to no longer leave the elderly, who had no one to take care of them in death watch facilities, to spend their last days waiting to die. 
I'd play that scene here, but I've already used my clip of the episode, and it's one that you should all see for yourself. The scene also touches on the other theme of the episode of dealing with cultures whose traditions and practices you don't understand, and how even if you personally find said traditions and practices abhorrent, one simply can't barge in and tell them that they're wrong and put a stop to it. It's reflective of the more thoughtful approach to the issues that Star Trek has been exploring since the original series. But whereas before, Kirk would tell the Alien Society of the Week that their way of life was stupid and then destroy the computer that was running everything, which even back then they realized they couldn't keep doing that, which led to the Prime Directive, here Picard tells Wixana that they can't get involved since the Kalons aren't part of the Federation. So this is another Prime Directive episode that explores it in a compelling way. As for the episode itself, this isn't a break format episode, but one that bends it. The Next Generation wasn't a guest star show in that it would bring on a big name guest star and build an episode around them. They didn't want it to be the love boat in space. But in this case, they made an exception not only with Waxana Troy, but for the role of Timison, who was played by veteran character actor David Ogden Styers, known at the time for his many years on MASH and amongst my generation as Cogsworth from Beauty and the Beast and numerous other Disney animated films, Styers knocks it out of the park with his portrayal of Timison as an emotional reserved man whose barriers and beliefs start to come down as he lets Waxana in. Between him, Picard, Odo, and two later suitors, Waxana clearly has a type. And the aforementioned scene between the two of them, as they go back and forth over the morality of the resolution, is a superbly acted scene between the two of them. I'd also like to give a shout out to Michelle Forbes, who played Timison's daughter, who comes on board to try to convince her father to return home. Her performance here is what led her to come back as a regular and play Ensign Roe Laren from season 5 onward. Which is all the more impressive considering that in this episode, she has arguably the stupidest hairdo in the entire series. One that makes me think of Sam Jackson in Pulp Fiction going, Hey, Black and Seagulls! Because her hair literally looks like a bird about to take flight. One could be generous and see it as an allusion to the archaic Betazoid custom Wixana references of women doing their hair up with a caged bird nestled in the center. But personally, I think it was just, hey, let's try something futuristic looking and wildly missing the mark. The fact that Forbes, Styers, and Barrett could film the scene without bursting out laughing is a testament to everyone involved and for how effective the scene is and how great the episode was. While it may not be an episode that's spoken reverently alongside some of the more classic episodes of TNG, this is an episode that's always been a favorite of mine. One that got a tiny little PS in the Lower Decks episode Envoys, where as Boimler and Mariner are going through a market, we see a stand operated by a couple of Kalons. So apparently they did finally decide to break their isolationist stance and finally head out into the galaxy. Whether or not their sun has gone supernova and their planet no longer exists is still unknown. But as a fan of this episode, I was glad to see them appear once again in a later Trek series. And that's it for The Next Generation. Join me tomorrow when we go back to the movies with what is generally considered to be the best of the four TNG films that will be celebrating its 25th anniversary this month. Live long and prosper, and also live well.